You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Well, you know, uh, this message is either going to speak to your heart and be a pivotal message that you carry with you through life and say, that's going to help me. Or it's going to be one that one day you're just going to laugh at. Remember when pastor preached that message? And uh, you know, when Brother Tim was here and Brother Ryan was here, those guys are brutal. Brother Chris would come, the family would come after church, we'd have fellowship on Sunday night, eat. But when those two boys came, I'm glad they left. Are you listening, fellas, tonight? They, 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 were, they would find everything I said wrong. Now, Chris is a gentleman. He would laugh with them, but he wouldn't join with it by the Fernero. But, but they would just be unmerciful, Brother Raisley. They'd find the bad and praise it. Or something I did, or something I said, or somebody that their voice cracked. And Tim can imitate everything. And quite frankly, it was very, very funny. I'm glad they're not here tonight because this is going to be the most total bomb that you ever heard say, we should have stayed home out of the rain tonight, or it's going to help you like several, several, several months ago, it began to help me. I see it all the time. I I see crazy things all the time. I got Jake Pinella to think this way, and he's on the East Coast now, but he still thinks this way. My grandson Hudson, he'll text me all the time. I look tonight, I can't wait to look at the clock. I'll try to be in bed and I'll see one, two, three, four. It fires me up. I know you're shaking your head, one, two, three, four. Or uh, when you see one, 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 or, or two, 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 or three, four, five. I, I look at those numbers all the time. Hudson will get a number and he'll text it to me and I'll text him one. And I know it's crazy. I was telling the elementary kids about a year ago this. And I said, you know the one I like the best is one you see seven, seven, seven. And think that thing through now. And I said, how many have you ever seen seven, seven, seven? (laughs) Hands are going up even in here. That's what they did in the elementary chapel. I've seen seven, seven, think that thing through. I don't think so. So this message tonight, it's either going to help us or at least it's going to bring a laugh to your heart. I want to begin, and it's going to take me a while to get airborne, two or three hours. And once I get airborne, we'll fly in quickly to the runway. But have you ever noticed that in life there's always a beginning? The beginning of a thing. I like the beginning I think the beginning of a race and the beginning of your teenage years and the beginning of college and the beginning of marriage and the beginning when you have a child and the beginning of a ministry or career. And then, not only is there a beginning, but there's an end. Uh, The end of a thing is better than the beginning, the Bible says. I think of the end of a thing. Uh, Our best example is our Lord Jesus Christ. last word he said, it is finished. Uh, we want to get something started, but we also want to finish it. Patch the Pirate said, finish the job, finish the job, get it done. I think of a race. A race is great, but there is the end of a race as well. 
uh, formal education, there's an end of a thing. Uh, I think of a career, there's an end of a thing. And I think about life, one day there'll be the end of the thing. I've read this poem and you've heard it periodically once in a while, a few times in the years, I've read it at funerals. It's called the dash and when I go to this cemetery to pray, I always look at that dash. You have a date, have another date, and the dash in the middle. And what you do in the middle is the most important. It's so important in life. That dash tells what you gave your life to. I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on the tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted that the first came the date of the birth and spoke following that day with tears. But he said what mattered most of all was the dash between the years. That dash represents all the time that they spent alive on earth. And now only those who love them know what really that little line is worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters the most is how we live and love and how we spent our dash. So think about this long and hard are the things you like to change. For you never know how much time is left that still can be rearranged. If we could slow down enough to consider that what's true and real and always try to understand the way people feel and be less quick to anger and show appreciation more and love the people in our lives like we've never loved before. If we treat each one with respect and wear a smile, remember that this little special dash might only last a little while. So when your eulogy is being read with your life actions to rehash, would you be proud of the things they say about you, how you spent your little dash? You know, the middle of the thing, and believe it or not, I'm speaking tonight on smack dab in the middle. The middle of the thing is what I wanted to perceive. God showed me something, and it's, you've thought of it probably many times, but I was reading my Bible months ago, and since that, I've been noticing all the middle things in Sunday school right now. We're in a three-week study on Gideon. And Gideon, his beginning and his end, and today we took the middle part. When he was so fearful and so afraid, and he hid by the wine press, and he hid and did the task of bringing down Baal worship at nighttime because he was afraid, and he was afraid to go to the battle and took Pharaoh with him. But he had enough courage to say, I'm going to do what God wants me to do with 300 men. That little dash is so important. The middle, I'm not, you say, well, I'm, I'm at the end of my life. Oh, but there's still middle places that you're going to see briefly tonight. Every season in life has a middle. We're in the last quarter of the year, October, November, December. Next Sunday's the 31st. One of the three months will be done, but by the time we get to November 15th, we will quickly be in the middle of this fourth quarter. Everything in life has a middle. 
There is a place called the middle of the ocean. There's called halftime at a basketball game or some sporting event. And the halftime, the purpose of the coach is to reevaluate the first half and say, oh, here's what we're doing. We're, we're not strong. We're not on the ball. We're not on defense. We're not following shots. We're not putting up and we're not doing, and they'll tell you, and many games have been turned from the first two quarters to the last two quarters. And it's a miracle what that coach did and what the ball players did. It's the middle of a thing. There's mid terms. We just a few weeks ago came through midterms in the college. There's the Middle East and the region of the Middle East is called Egypt and Iraq and Iran and Turkey and Saudi Arabia and Israel. That's the Middle East. We're talked about, told about the middle of the day. It's 12 noon. We talk about the middle of the night. It's 12 midnight. We talk about middle school. I recall going to seventh grade and I was going to get my locker for the first time. And I was so excited about getting a locker. And then I went, uh, I, I can remember the combination I bought, 12, 31, 25. That was my combination. I took that combination through junior high and through high school and through, uh, through college. I kept it early in the marriage. I don't know where it is now, but 12, 31, 25. That was what I received. That's the, the one I bought in middle school. There's middle age, 35. I'm looking for some 35-year-olds. You're almost there, Rob, 29 this week. That's hard to believe. 35, middle age. I, I think about uh, 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 the uh, middle class. I, I think about the Middle Ages, the 5th through the 15th century. I think of Murfreesboro and Nashville. They're called mid, uh, 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 middle Tennessee is what they're called. It's, it's the heart of that, that state. And, and we think of these things that are midweek service. We have it in church. You know, it's many times in that middle, we'll get to our text momentarily, we destroy the end because of what we do in the middle. And some of us have to live a lifetime trying to live down foolish decisions we made here in this little dash. And sometimes we walk away from the greatest opportunities of life in the middle. I don't know if this is true. A college president told me this many years ago. He said, Brother Treeper, and if you're a sophomore, you'll, you'll be okay. They said, we feel like the hardest year from what we've studied and read in college is the sophomore year. You come into college excited, fired up. You're in a dorm. You're on your own. It's an exciting thing and most time a new area, whatever it might be. And then when you become a junior, you're on the downhill slide, junior and senior. But that's sophomore year. Sometimes you start off sophomore year, but you get in the second semester. And it seems that's the time where people struggle. I think I want to quit. It was February. I went to my first hour of class, the second semester of my sophomore year. And as I went to class that day, a young man left college in the middle of the night. I remember his name and I thought, you know, I don't want to stay. 
I want to get out too. I didn't think I was the sharpest knife in the drawer and I knew I wasn't. I, I, knew that, I knew that God could not use someone like me. I didn't bring anything to the table. I didn't bring talent and abilities. And I get so nervous. And I sophomore morning, I went to the music theory class and I literally was the most ignorant in the class. They could play piano, they could, the, the music professor, he, he, would, uh, he would say, here's a poem, and now you have to write a song to this poem, and now you have to write four-part harmony to the poem. Or he'd go to the piano and start playing, and he goes, I, I want you to write down as I play the song, the melody line, a song that we never heard before. i tell you what, I struggled that. i watch these other people, they got it done in a heartbeat. I got so discouraged with myself. I went to class and came back. No one was in my dorm room that next hour. They all had class second hour. I never did that semester. And I would read my Bible and pray. Every day I tried to. wasn't good at it, but I tried to do it so faithfully that next hour. And I was reading that morning. I looked out over the window and there's snow on the ground. And I didn't want the snow and I didn't want the area. And I wanted to quit, and I had some demerits. I don't think they were anything big, but good Christians get demerits. I wanted to leave. And you know the verse, because I've told you before. I got to Jeremiah 12, 5. And if thou hast run with the footmen, then how canst thou contend with the swelling of Jordan? I really, in my heart, I don't think I could have made it in Vietnam. But I kind of want to be a Marine and go to Vietnam. Get out of this Bible college thing. It was myself. I was right in the middle of it. I only had about two and a half months left to go. And God gave me that one verse. And I wrote down, if I can't make it in Bible college, if I cannot make it in Bible college, I am not going to make it in the Marine Corps. I said, God, I'm so sorry. I want you to know that I'll finish. I don't know how you could ever use someone like me, but I will finish at least. You know, I have the letter in my office. It's in my wife's file. It's a letter on eight and a half by 11, white piece of paper her dad wrote me. Not church stationery. He typed it on a manual typewriter. And the letter said, Jack, we would like you to come and candidate at our church to be our music director and janitor. It was dated 1971. And they said, we'd like you to come and serve with us here. I'll never forget that first Saturday meeting in the back of the auditorium, I met Dwayne, who became my brother-in-law. And as I was there, and I told you this recently, but I tell you, I, I remember so very vividly, I was right in the middle of something. Had I left school, little did I know, and I put it together because I gathered my men together in my dorm, and I said, I don't know why I'm so burdened for this pastor in Illinois, but his wife is 45 and dying with cancer, and she has eight kids. We began to pray that semester for that pastor. Uh, prior, to, uh, pr prior to that, my uh, 1970, October 4th, she passed away. 
And I can recall gathering those guys together and praying for that pastor in January, in the early part of February in those days. Do you know that, that I got to that church and there was a beautiful, beautiful girl. Her name was Cindy Swanson. It didn't take long to realize that she was infatuated with me. I mean, she was after me. I tell you what, and I don't blame her. I, I had, I just, I pulled, I had a little, I did have a little black book with names of girls in it. I pulled it out, just put her name on there with all the others. There was Emily Trever, my mother, and there was Elmer Stoppy, my aunt, and uh, all of those people, you know, I didn't have a list, but I did, I did have a list, but there are names of relatives, you know. I'm not from West Virginia. Where did he go? I couldn't find him this morning during preaching. And little did I know that God had my mate waiting for me there. You know, brother, boy, I, I wonder if I would have run away. I'd have never met her. I, I wonder if I'd still be alive. I mean, fellas that went to high school with me went over to Vietnam. They died there. I wonder if I would have got that Agent Orange that several of those fellows got and died with Agent Orange. You know, when I was in the middle of something, I almost made the mistake of my life. When I was in high school, that summer of my end of my sophomore year, at summer camp, I have the booklet. That summer at summer camp, moving into my junior year, I got so same thing back in high school, same way in college. It was the end of my sophomore. I got so, so, I walked down the, uh, the got out of the cabin, walked down the gravel road over that little bridge, up to Uncle Bill, that Elner's cabin, and pulled him out, 1966. He had a brand new car. And I said, Jack, we're in bed. And I said, I've got I've to talk to you. I said, I'm so tired of my life. I'm just worn out with me. I feel like a hypocrite. And he didn't know how to deal with me. And I didn't know how to explain it. I was so embarrassed. But I made a decision in the middle of my high school career. And I made a decision. I wonder, in college, I wonder what middle position you find yourself. I think the middle is so important. I'm the middle son. I'm the middle child. We have an older sister with the Lord now. And I have a younger sister. It's amazing the best is always in the middle. <laughs> My dad struggled trying to raise those girls. And as I became a little older, seven or eight, I began to help them. They were both so rebellious, especially the young one. That's why they're here this semester. I'm trying to work with her. I'm the middle child. I wonder what middle position you're in right now. You're in the middle of a decision. You're in the middle of some situation in life. You're in your midlife crises. You're in the middle of treatments. You're in the middle of a situation that it just has your mind all absorbed. 
here in the scripture, the Bible says straightway, verse 22, chapter 14, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go before him unto the other side. Isn't that amazing? He said, you're gonna get over there. Well, he sent the multitudes away. When he sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when even was come, he was there alone. Now the ship was now in the, what's the word? You know what the word midst is through the word of God? It's in the middle. When you see that, that something is in the midst, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is in the midst of the garden. The garden centered around that tree. God was speaking to, to uh, uh, Moses in Exodus 4, and there was a burning bush, and the burn, the Bible makes it very clear, came out of the midst of the bush. When we follow the word of God, we get to numbers, and God says the tabernacle needs to be in the midst of the people and three tribes to the north, and three tribes to the south, and three to the west, and three to the east, and as the, 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 the tribes moved, the church, the temple, the tabernacle was at the center of their life. The priests, they got into the Jordan, and God said in the middle, in the midst of the Jordan, I want you to make a monument. Gideon went out to fight, in chapter seven, and the Bible said it was in the midst or the middle of the night, the night watch. Samson, he destroyed his life. He was such a good, started so good. And, and then he came to this point where he sold his soul to Delilah. And he said, God, one more time. And God said, I want you to go to the midst and gather at the basement there, those two pillars that are right smack dab in the middle. And it began to pull them and the entire structure began to fall. Solomon, he said in the midst of this temple, in the middle, there's gonna be a sacred place where we worship God. Esther had a relative, his name was Mordecai. And he heard what God was, uh, what the, the king was doing to the Jews and what Haman was doing to the Jews. And he went into the midst of the city and wept before a holy God. God has you in the middle of some situation right now. You know, when you're in the middle or you're dashed, you have to make a wise decision. Ezekiel was so burdened in chapter four for his city that he went into the midst of the city and the Bible says he preached. I think of how that God said in Isaiah 5, one of my favorite chapters there, there was a vineyard and, I, and a good soil and I planted the best of the vineyard, my crops, my people Israel, and they turned their back on me and I put a midst in the midst, in the middle, a tower. And he said, what more could have I done for my people? Jonah, the Bible says, was in the middle or the midst of the deep when he began to break before God. Habakkuk said, will you not revive thy work in the midst? In the midst right now, in the midst of liberalism, in the midst of compromise, right now in the middle of this situation, 
John chapter 20, Jesus, the Bible said after he came, after the resurrection, he stood in the middle or in the midst of his disciples. Paul went to Mars Hill and they said he stood in the midst, in the middle of Mars Hill and preached the gospel. My Bible says in the book of Hebrews, in the congregation, in the midst will I sing unto thee. Jesus is on his throne in heaven. And when we get there, the Bible says his throne is in the midst or the middle of heaven. Jesus said, I want to be in the midst of the church in Revelation chapter 2. And here we get to the chapter, last chapter of the book of Revelation. There's a street in the midst of the city. Tonight, I want to remind you that the middle verse in the Bible is Psalm 118, verse 9. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. When you get in the middle of a situation, God gave us a middle verse, 119, 118, verse number 9. says, trust in me in the middle of your situation. Don't run. Don't flee. Don't figure it out. Quickly, and I'll close in an hour or two. The midst was now, the ship was now in the midst of the sea. You know what you experienced in the midst of the sea? It was tossed. I'm speaking to some folks tonight. It's a storm of your life. I hurt so much for you. Maybe it's a, a broken bone. I have this message been written for months and it's typed this week and then I think someone may have broke their bone today. So I'm talking to that person that's not here right now. But I'm just suggesting it may be a, a child's broken bone or it might be you're in a storm of your life, some surgery, or you're having difficulty with school or your family, you're in a storm of life. When the storms of life are raging, stand by me. When I'm old and growing feeble, stand by me in the midst of it. Tonight, I won't know what the midst of your storm is, but I do know that storms come, and storms are difficult. I want you to see, secondly, not only do those storms come, but Jesus sees in the storm. Jesus in the fourth watch, that's nine hours after sunset. It's still the dark of the night, of the night, Jesus wanted them walking on the sea. Don't you love that song? Jesus knows all about our struggles. Amen. He will guide till the day. He's, he's making intercession for me. Brother Martinez, you had a grandmother that made intercession for you. And she prayed for you. You know, someone that you know is in the middle of a storm. You don't need to know all the details. You don't need to tell me all the details. But you could say, Pastor, I wrote you a note. And the note just says this, I'm in the midst of a storm. Pray for me. I want to know that. I don't need to tell anybody. But I can go to God and tell them. I look over the crowd every service. I watch for things. I look for things. And I'll, I'll often say, 
Lord, I, I need to think about that person this week and pray for them. I think they're going through some hard, hard storm right now. You know, tonight, I wonder what grandmother college student is praying for you. I wonder what mother is praying for you, what father is praying for you. I wonder what husband will stay up tonight and pray for you or what wife will stay up and pray for a husband tonight. In the dark of the night, Jesus sees. Jesus knows all about our struggles. And he will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. I wonder what mother or what father or what grandfather our grandmother, God will wake you up tonight and stir you to pray for that prodigal son or that prodigal daughter. I see that the storms come in the middle. I see that Jesus sees. I see that they intensify, that is they swell. Look at verse 26. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. They cried out for fear. I guess if you saw a man in the middle of the night walking on water, you would have a, a fright as well. So would I. But this storm comes and Jesus sees this, the, and, he, and, he, and he sees the swell. Trials and adversity, they intensify. And it seems like when this one comes, then comes another and then another. And you feel like I'm going under. And that's the time you hold tighter to his hand. As the songwriter said, I find that there's not only storms and there's a God that sees and the swells, these things get bigger, but I find there's a serenity. Verse 27, and straightway Jesus spake unto them saying, be of good cheer, be not afraid. I've seen the lightning flashing, I've heard the thunder roll. I felt sins crashing that almost conquered my soul. And Jesus said, no, never alone. I can't sing it tonight, alone. No, never alone. He promised never to leave me. He claimed me for his own. I've been singing for weeks now. Oh, I wish I could sing it. I should probably have Brother Martina. In the dark of the midnight, have I off? hid my face while the storm howls above me and there's no hiding place. I wonder if you feel that way in the midst of your storm, mid the crash of the tempest. He'll, he'll never leave you. Keep me safe till the storm passes by. The storm will pass. You're in the midst of something right now. I close, I see verse 33, safety. They were in the ship. They were in the ship. And in the ship, they found safety. Well, maybe Brother Tim and Brother Ryan, this is a funny one tonight. <laughs> and I wish they were here so they could make fun. Not They wouldn't make fun of preaching, but... I enjoyed those Sunday nights when they were here so much. And don't take it they were wrong. They're, 
They're so good to me. They're sweet. But I find that life is full of middle experiences. There's always a middle to something. And I want you to look this week right in the midst of where you're at. I want us to look at 12 noon. I'm in the middle of something right now. I have to look back, what did I accomplish this morning? And I have to look forward, what am I going to accomplish this afternoon? Perhaps you'll be restless, restless tonight at midnight. You'll look. And you need to go back and review the day and ponder the day and look forward to tomorrow. Perhaps in the middle of this week, you sound so tired. You have every right to be tired with the busyness of your lives and your jobs and your families and all that you do. But if I were you, if all possible, I'd get to the midweek service. There's something about it. It revives my soul to get here with God's people. There's something about the middle of the thing. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.